everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Well, what seems like after a couple years off, uh, it feels like forever since uh, we got together here on the podcast. Uh, I I know people out there have missed us. I've missed talking to Brian. I'm not sure if he's missed talking to me, but I've certainly missed talking to him. Uh, It's time to get together and and finally talk some Seahawks football after a couple weeks off, which I feel bad is my fault. Been traveling, doing stuff around the around the sports world and just have not had time to sit down with my buddy. So I miss you, pal. What's going on? Long time no talk. Yeah, well, you know, it's like a it's like a fine wine, softy. You got to let it breathe sometimes to really like let the goodness come out. And I think I think whining is a uh, yeah. it's probably an apt comparison to to the two of us at times. So uh, yeah, but it's good to hear your voice, dude. Well, we like to whine. There's no doubt. But unfortunately, uh, for those that like to whine, I, I guess uh, lately there isn't a, really a lot to whine about. I mean, I was sitting down looking at some numbers for the show, doing some stuff on the Hawks, and just thinking to myself, you know what, it, it, it is a little ridiculous that this team is even sitting here at 8-4. and four. I mean, 8-4 and four just on paper when it jumps off the computer screen, 8-4 and four looks good, and it looks a hell of a lot different than 7-5. and five. I realize it's only one game difference, but don't you kind of get that feeling that 8-4 and four looks a lot different than 7-5? and five? Yeah, it does. It, it absolutely does, and um, you're right about the fact that the record feels, you know, feels better than I think the season has felt. Um, you know, you look at this team and it's just, it's easy to see like this team could easily have two more wins than they do right now and probably should. Um, but you could also say this team could have, you know, two or three more losses and yeah. probably should. Yeah. You know, it's it's just been one of those years where, um, you know, it hasn't felt like the other ones where they were scuffling and then they find themselves it's just kind of been like, meh, I don't know. It just it hasn't really clicked, and then and then Sunday happened. Yeah, no, Sunday changed everything for me. Uh, I don't know what your thought was on that game on Sunday, but I expected them to lose the game, I'll be honest with you, going in. If you would have told me, gun to your head, you're wrong, I pulled the trigger, I, I, I would have taken Philadelphia uh, to win the game for a lot of reasons. Uh, the injury per, uh, factor certainly was maybe the biggest one, but – that game, dude, I, I don't know. I've been saying it for weeks now that I just want that Ram game on the 17th to be meaningful. And by beating Philadelphia, they they put themselves in a position to do exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And I know because I know you read my stuff religiously. I know you know that I was uh, predicting a win uh, for the Seahawks mm. in that game. So uh, that was not as much of a surprise to me, honestly. I really – 
I had a I had a really strong hunch, and if you but if you'd put a gun to my head, you know, an hour before kickoff, I was feeling a little more nervous, you know, and a little bit more that I was uh, drinking some kind of Kool Aid. But uh, I don't know. I really liked the way that game set up for the Seahawks, and I didn't like the way the game set up for the Eagles. And um, you know, I, I think it, they caught lightning in a bottle a little bit, um, and how when they caught the Eagles and and how they were coming off. Um, you know, getting a little healthier, getting Mike Davis back, getting Luke Jokel back, all that kind of stuff. And now it's, you know, what they did, though, in really just dominating them through four quarters, you know, dominating is maybe strong, but they definitely controlled the game for four quarters. That was a surprise. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I was surprised at the way that secondary looked against what I thought was a pretty good passing attack. I mean, look, obviously the pass rush and how aggressive they were with the blitzes was Perfect timing by Chris Richard. I thought maybe, honestly, and this might be hyperbole to some, but I thought Chris Richard had one of his, if not his best games yet as, as a defensive coordinator on Sunday. Agree with that? Yeah, I, I would go. I would go as far as say it was definitely the best combined coaching game from Chris Richard and Daryl Bevel that they've ever had as a as a duo. Um, I think Dan Quinn's had some great ones before when he was here, but you know, I thought Daryl Bevel called a fantastic game. Um, I thought Chris Richard, to your point, like had some really well-timed calls and, and did things really well there. Um, and, and, you know, look, two weeks prior, I firmly believe Pete Carroll lost that Atlanta game um, for the Seahawks and, and some of the decisions he made. And um, you're going to get some of those when Pete decides to get hormonal. Yep. Um, and then you're going to get some of these Eagles games where it's like, look, Pete and John put together, you know, just a great group of gritty underdogs that – you know, nobody's going to come into Seattle and just walk over this team, no matter how good their record is. Um, these guys are good, and they play to their best in, in these moments. Well, I think rallying again after the emotional high of Sunday night, uh, it, it's, it's almost in some ways kind of good, I think, if this sounds a little nuts that they're going on the road, that they're getting away from, you know, being able to rely on the home crowd and having to maybe dig something, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, up from deep uh, within, if that sounds dramatic, which I'm sure it does a little bit. But to have to go on the road this weekend uh, and and rally after the emotional high of the game on Sunday versus Philadelphia, I don't know, man. This, this weekend seems tougher to me than people think. I know the matchup on paper, I think, favors the Seahawks. But when you talk about all the intangibles to have to do it again after what happened on Sunday, I'd be pretty damn impressed if they win this weekend, pal. Well, it's interesting you say you think that they the, that they should be favored or that that you think that it favors them. I, you know, from a I personnel think, perspective, it absolutely does. I think, don't you? Man, I'm a big believer in the most dominant unit in a game. Uh, you know, often is the one that comes out you know winning. I think there's a competing you know point of view in this game where you know you could say the best quarterback in a game generally wins. In this case, I think I mean I think the Jaguars' defense is far and away the best unit in this game, better than Eagle, either the Seahawks' defense or the Seahawks' offense, um, and I think they're extremely good, like <laughs> really, really good. Um, you know, but I think there's a way to play this game where you really take it to your advantage. Um, if you don't turn the ball over, if you don't get a bunch of penalties, you make Blake Bortles beat you. I think there's a you know a very strong chance the Seahawks win it, but. Um, look, you know, one, one thing that people have, I think lost track of, do you know that the Seahawks have won their last four straight road games? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you know, they're undefeated in the division on the road. 
Um, they've been playing pretty well on the road, all things considered. And, and I think it's interesting this game got moved back to one. I think that helps. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the other interesting things is the Seahawks seem to have finally figured out their penalty situation, hopefully, knock on wood. But, you know, I wrote an article today about this that, you know, the Seahawks, uh, you know, had five straight games of 100-plus yard penalties. You know, the last two, they've, they've been averaging about 20 yards in penalties. And a big part of that is Jermaine Effetti getting control of, of some of the penalties he's been getting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that offensive line to keep that under control this Sunday and then facing a defensive front that includes what? You got Calais Campbell. You got Malik Jackson, and then you got Yannick Ngakwe, who's also got 10 sacks. I think the three of those guys have 18 and a half sacks between the three of them. Yeah, and Dante Fowler's got, yeah. you know, six or six and a half. You know, you've got, uh, we'll see if Telvin Smith plays, but he's a great linebacker. You know, Miles Jack, you know, is a, is a great player. You've got uh, maybe Ramsey. That could be huge if he doesn't play, but Ramsey is a fantastic corner, and so is a, bo- a boy. Um uh, and then uh, you got two safeties that are really solid. I mean, this is legitimately the best defense in the NFL, and it's it's I think a couple standard deviations you know, from the norm here. So they're really really good. Um, and look, you know, I, I had this conversation. I'm curious your thoughts. I talked to some of the guys, and and my perspective is I'm full armadillo mode for this game. Roll up in a ball. You know, be conservative. Do not turn the ball over at any cost. Do mm-hmm. not turn the ball over. Play great run defense, which, by the way, the Seahawks are the number one run defense in the NFL over the last seven games, under 3.1 yards of carry. So really shut down the running game and just make Blake Bortles beat you. Yeah. I think yeah. if you do that, you walk out of this game with a victory probably eight out of ten times. If you try to open up the passing game and, and, and beat them that way, I think you really, you know, have a much greater chance of losing. Um, a lot of people are saying, give the keys to the car to Russell. He's the MVP, you know, like make him, make him win. What's your thought on that? Well, my thought is this, that to slow things down and to keep the – well, I mean, first of all, you, uh, yeah, because the best thing the Seahawks defense does is stop the run right now. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I, I wonder because of that, though, how much the Jaguars try and throw. I mean, yeah, they don't have the greatest passing game at all, but Seahawks secondary is still banged up and is still going out there with Byron Maxwell and Shaq Griffin. So I'm not sure if they'll let one game against Philadelphia, you know, dissuade them from throwing the ball. But on the other side of it, uh, I think what the Hawks have done to control the clock uh, and what they can do again Sunday is use the passing game to chew up time. I mean, everybody always assumes that when you throw the ball that you throw in deep. Well, why? I mean, screen plays, bubble screens, uh, you know, passes to guys like Jimmy Graham down the seam, Doug Baldwin in the flat, a lot of yak from guys like Tyler Lockett. I could see them using the short passing game to chew up clock time, combine that with the run, and then keep Leonard Fournette on the sideline where he belongs. Yeah, and you know, there's there's kind of this this debate. You know, I know you you call me a geek and a nerd, and I, I I've earned that's because you well, are at least the yeah, geek part. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. I'm okay with that. There are you know <laughs> even next level geeks and nerds out there that you know are constantly telling me that the Seahawks, you know, that Pete Carroll's a dinosaur. They need to stop trying to run the ball and just straight go to pass. And you know, I did some search on this, and like the numbers don't really support that point of view. I, I know. At least, you know, they're going to come back and show me a lot of numbers that I'm not going to understand. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, Run play percentage, 43.1% last game, uh, 46.9% the the game before against San Francisco. 
you know, they hadn't been above, you know, 38% in, in the last four games. Uh, I think that part of what makes this team run or, or work well is, is having the threat of the run, even if it's not super effective. And I went, went even further and looked back since 2000. So uh, against all, you know, for all teams in games where a team has thrown three or more passing TDs had less than 250 passing yards, but more than 100 rushing yards. So a mix of rushing and passing, but, but scoring with the pass. Teams are 305 and 50 mm. since the year 2000 when they do that. The Seahawks are undefeated, um, you know, since B. Carroll's been doing that when that happens. If you flip that around and you say three passing TDs, so same amount, more than, th- you know, three passing TDs, more than 300 yards passing and less than 100 yards rushing, right? So now it's predominantly a pass-driven offense. Across the league since 2000, teams are 295 and 130. So you've got 80 more um, losses in situations like that. Um, the Seahawks since 2010, they're two and three. They're under 500 when they have three, three or more passing TDs, over 300 passing yards, but less than 100 yards rushing. It's just not been a formula that works for them. They, they need to be balanced in how they attack teams, and, and I think they need to keep doing that. Yeah. Well, again, uh, you, you can still chew up clock without running the ball, and, and I'm still not convinced the Hawks can run the ball consistently, uh, not against this defense on, on Sunday. You know, and, and they didn't even do it that good, look that great on Sunday night versus Philadelphia. They looked better with Mike Davis and the additions of Mike Davis and, and Dwayne Brown have been, I mean, my God, it's like, it's like going from, you know, the freaking outhouse to the penthouse by their standards for crying out loud. But <laughs> yeah. are you convinced they can run the ball in Jacksonville? Honestly? Well, it really, it, it just depends on what you mean. Like I, I think, can they have a mix of run and pass? Yes. Can like, is it going to be where the, you know, most of their yards are coming from the run? No, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think so. Can they move the chains but- with the run? Can they run when they I have think, to? I think uh, – no, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, uh, what I do believe is that the, the run and, and having that be part of their game sets up a lot of the play action and sets up a bunch of the other pieces that this offense does work well with. And so, you know, Mike Davis had a bunch of, like, zero and one-yard runs against Philadelphia, who, by the way, is a much better run defense than this Jaguars defense. Um, Jaguars are, like, 28th in the NFL in run defense. I know they got Marcel Darius, but – they gave up 142 last week to the Colts on the ground. Um, you know, I think that they need to be committed to at least having that be part of their offense. And um, I think people are misinformed just because Russell's playing well. I don't think that means that you just, you know, go to a 40 or 50 attempt, um, you know, type of passing offense. I don't think that's the way the Seahawks are best set up to win. Well, I would agree with that, but I'd also ask where are those passes going? You know, I mean, that that to me is what I was getting at. So I don't know. I mean, this is this a big one here on Sunday, man. If they can get this uh, and the Eagles knock off the Rams, then you're tied. Uh, Even if you win, no matter what happens in L.A., you make that game next Sunday meaningful. And I think if they can wake up on that morning, I said this weeks ago, if they can wake up the morning of the 17th and be tied or a game out, I think they win that game. And I think they go on to win the division. I agree. I 100 percent agree. And, you know, I think this is the game where you, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the Powerball, right? Mm-hmm. You win this game. You've already beaten the Eagles. You win this game. 
I mean, would you bet against the Seahawks winning the rest at that point? No, because what's going to happen if they're a game out or tied before the Rams game, that Rams game is going to be electric, right? The atmosphere is going to be insane. It's going to be a playoff game, and the Hawks are not going to lose that game at home. They're just not. I don't don't believe they will. Yeah. And and then you got, I mean, you got the Dallas game, and Elliott will be back, and we'll we'll have to get through all these when we get closer, but – I, I absolutely – my expectation is that if they can beat Jacksonville, then I expect them to win the rest of their games. I, you know, I think this game is super tough. I think it's super tough. I, I, I'm not expecting the Seahawks to win. Um, I think there's more ways that Jacksonville can win this game than Seattle. Yeah. But I absolutely – I mean, I think it's like 52-48, you know, or 55-45 kind of thing. Well, then you better but damn I, I well think... root for Philadelphia Sunday, pal, if that's the way you feel. You better root for Philadelphia. Does it bother you, by the way, that both games are at the same time? Uh, only because I'd like to watch both. But, sure, because you'll be watching yeah. the Seahawks-Jaguar game, and you'll have one eye on the Eagle-Ram game all damn day. No, you know, I'm not like that. I'm, I get, like, totally focused on the Seahawks. Like, you know, really, end of the day, you and I both know, if the Seahawks, you know, if they find their game and they're playing really well – it doesn't matter who, who, what anyone else does. Well, I mean, but that's like, yeah. But uh, okay, let me let me let me just rephrase it. If the Seahawks are losing, you'll have one eye on the Eagle Rams. Oh hell yeah, there. sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and look, I don't know. Spend two seconds on that game. I'm expecting the Eagles. I'm surprised that the Rams are, are uh, favored. I expect the Eagles to be pretty pissed off and woke from from what happened in in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen the Rams play well against a good defense all year. They struggled against Jacksonville, they struggled against Seattle, they struggled against Minnesota. The Eagles are really, really good. Just because we beat them doesn't mean that they're not great. So I'm expecting the Eagles to win that game. Yeah. All right, man. Great stuff. Let's hook up next week, hopefully talking about a game against the Rams that is absolutely meaningful uh, because the Hawks have done their part or the Eagles have done theirs, all right? Absolutely. And the quick uh, reminder, um, anyone that wants to get $5 off uh, a whole pie order at Pagliacci, just use the, the code HawkBlogger. You can do it online. You can do it on the phone. You can do it in person. It works any way you want. Love so. it. Love it. You're the man. Great stuff. We'll talk in a week. See you, buddy. Sounds good. All right. That is our buddy, Brian Nemhauser at HawkBlogger on Twitter. Uh, you can check him out as well on his website, uh, HawkBlogger.com. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you. Go Hawks. Want more great Seahawks talk? Of course you do. Check out the Pedestrian Podcast. It's the official podcast of the UK Seahawkers. Hosted by Stuart Court, Adam Nathan, and Ross Bell. It's fun. It's British. You get accents. You get Seahawks. You get football. It's definitely worth it. They're at pedestrianpodcast.podbean.com or you can find them on iTunes. Check them out.